The scripture reading for this morning and the continuation of the Easter story comes from Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 24th chapter at the 36th verse. Luke wrote these things. While they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. And they thought they were seeing a ghost and they were scared half to death. And he continued with them, Don't be upset. And don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands, look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and they still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was just too much. It seemed too good to be true. So he asked, Do you have any food here to eat? And they gave him a piece of leftover fish they had cooked, and he took it, and he ate it right before their eyes. And then he said, everything I told you while I was with you comes to this. All the things written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. And he said, you can see how, now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day. And then a total life change through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations, starting from here, from Jerusalem. And you're the first to hear it and see it. You're the witnesses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Lord, as we gather in this sacred space, we become aware that we are in your life-giving presence, active in our universe since the first moments of its existence. And we marvel at life, in our awareness, in our intelligence, in our ability to communicate. And we pray that the God in us would find generous and courageous expression in our words and actions as we attempt to make the reign of God evident in our own community. Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. There's a poem by Christina Rossetti called Clouds, and it goes like this. White sheep, white sheep on a blue hill, when the wind stops, you all stand still. When the wind blows, you walk away slow. White sheep, white sheep, where do you go? The doors were locked in fear. Bolt it, double lock it, put the chains on it, fasten the padlock, locked. The doors were locked in fear. On April 15, 1912, the Titanic plunged 12,000 feet to the Atlantic floor some two hours and 40 minutes after an iceberg tore a 300-foot gash in the starboard side. One survivor said, and I quote, all the horror of its sinking I heard and even more dreadful, the cries of the drowning people. 
Now, we all heard the story. We know that there weren't enough lifeboats. But even taking that into account, far more people drowned than needed to. You see, when the 20 lifeboats were launched, almost all of them were only partly full. One sole lifeboat, number 14, did row back to the scene after the unsinkable ship slipped from sight at 2.20 a.m. And alone, that lifeboat chased cries in the darkness, seeking and saving a precious few. But incredibly, no other boat joined it. The other 19 boats, you see, they hung back. They heard the cries of the people in the water. Those people had life jackets. They clung to bits of the wreckage. Very few of them actually drowned. Most of them died slowly of hypothermia. And 19 boats sat there, heard their cries, and didn't save anyone. Why? Because of fear. They feared that a crush of swimmers would cling to their craft, swamp their boats, and perhaps they too would drown. Please note, though, that no one drowned in boat 14, the boat that went back, but out of fear, not one of the other boats went back. Gandhi said, the enemy is fear. We think it's hate, but it is fear. Now, folks, in a church community, we are all human beings. So sometimes we can get overwhelmed by fear, just as the disciples had locked the doors. And in a fearful church, people aren't there for each other. People start to blame each other. Rumors spread. A fearful church can't take risks because nobody knows if anyone will have their back if things go wrong. A fearful church becomes like the half-empty lifeboats of the Titanic, every ship rowing off in their own direction. But perfect love casts out fear. And just as Jesus went back for the two on the road to Emmaus who already disbelieved Mary Magdalene, now he goes back for the others and calls us to be a community where we know if something goes wrong, someone will come back for us. Rabbi Dr. Edward Friedman, the father of family systems therapy, talks about the concept of a non-anxious presence. When a leader exudes a non-anxious presence, the people around him or her become less anxious. And the result is that slowly fear dissipates and calm spreads and the community begins to be able to take risks again. The doors were locked because of fear. On Good Friday, the disciples were absolutely overcome by fear. What is Peter's response to the arrest of Jesus? Follows at a distance, denies three times out of fear. Contrast this, please, with 53 days later on the day of Pentecost, 
when Peter stands up with absolute confidence and preaches to the crowd. The Sanhedrin can throw him in jail. Still, he maintains his calm. Still, he preaches despite all that they could possibly do to him. And the early Jerusalem church can take the risk of sharing all of their goods with each other. What changed? What changed? Simple. Jesus, the non-anxious presence. Jesus who shows them that the worst that can happen, death on a cross, and yet he remains calm and comes back from death. And if not even death can defeat you, then what do you have to fear? And Jesus keeps coming back to the still frightened disciples, coming to Mary Magdalene, and when they do not believe her, coming to the two on the way to Emmaus. And when that is not enough, coming to the group in the locked room. And then when Thomas is missing, coming back for him. And when Peter, still racked by the guilt of betrayal, goes back to fishing, Jesus shows up on the beach to say that all is forgiven. And would you feed my sheep? So Jesus, the non-anxious presence, keeps coming back. Because no one is left behind. A woman for 10 years could not sleep because she was worried that her home would be burgled. And one night her husband heard a noise in the house so he went downstairs to investigate. And when he got there, he found a burglar. So the husband said to the burglar, would you do me a favor? Would you come upstairs and meet my wife? Because she's been waiting 10 years to meet you. You know, a real burglar can steal from you once. Worry can steal from you night after night after night for many years. One more story. Did you know that the African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of over 30 feet? Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo with a three-foot wall because the animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. By defeating death, Jesus, I believe, wants to take away that invisible wall of fear that locks us up. He really wants us to leap high, to take risks together. And the community that I believe Jesus wants us to be at Brecksville United Methodist Church is an inclusive, loving group of folks where we know that other people will be there for us and that we won't be left behind. And it is because of this that we are a community where the doors of our hearts are open. And because of this, I believe unafraid, we can be a community that dares to take risks. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen.